This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1662, Comic Talk! Welcome to the show. I'm Brian Christman. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Eberly. <laughs> when I heard this in the theater, I was like, oh, that's awesome way to start up in a movie there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> How could they not put it in there? I mean, just... All right. So, welcome to the show. Uh, this is going to be our all-over-the-place comic talk episode where, hint, hint, um, probably towards the end of the show, we will have a discussion of the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Probably. I know it's been out for a little while, but we haven't been in studio for a few weeks, and Chris was, was out, of, out of town, so we're going to get his thoughts on it, being a big Spider-Man fan you are. Thank you, sir. Um, we'll be talking about Samuel Comic-Con. We may have a few guests drop in. You know, fingers crossed we get all that to, to work out. Uh, another fun and frivolity. Before we get to that fun and frivolity, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Comic Geek Speak is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Zia Comics. Yes, Zia Comics, located out in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, they also have uh, a, a podcast of their very own, uh, the uh, Talk Nerdy to Me podcast. You can find it at talknerdypodcast.com. Uh, and it's also they also have a YouTube channel uh, for Zia Comics. So what they do is they take you know a their video record of their podcast, just put it out also as an audio podcast. It's basically you know about ten minutes or so talking about uh, new releases in comics, um, you know upcoming you know TV and movies. Um, they also have you know gaming going on there. All the basic food groups. <laughs> All the basic food groups. Uh, they also have, the, you know, Talking Tabletop is the game-related YouTube channel they also have. But also, this, this is what it really gets me going, is they Zia Comics owns and operates Las Cruces Comic Con and the El Paso Comic Con. Mm. Not one, but two Comic Cons. So it's like, if I, but I, I've never been out to that part of the country, but... You know, maybe someday I'll get out there to one of these maybe. cons. Maybe, yeah. I've always been kind of curious about, like, Phoenix Con and Cactus Yeah, I, I see that a lot there out in the southwest. It's part of the country I've really never been to other than yeah. stopping at layovers when mm -hmm. I go out the, yeah. further west. Same here. Yeah. So check them out at ZiaComics.com as well as their YouTube channel, Zia Comics, and the TalkNerdyPodcast.com. I also want to give a plug for the upcoming London Super Comic Con uh, happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, August 25th, 6th, and 7th at the Business Design Center in London, England, a new location. Actually, a three-day show this year uh, because I will be heading over for the con as well as Mr. Brian Deemer. We wrote the con. You get your tickets right now at LondonSuperComicConvention.com. I just want to give you a list of some of the creators who will be over there. Uh, I have Lee Bermejo. Gabrielle Del Otto, Terry Dodson, Tyler Kirkham, Jay Lee, Gillum March, Bob McLeod, Bart Sears, Tim Seeley, Simone Bianchi, uh, Mark Buckingham, Claudio Castellini, Mike Collins, Dave Gibbons, Kieran Gillen, David Hine, Fraser Irving, uh, Ben Oliver, Rachel Stott, Lee Townsend, John Watson, Chris Weston, and also a couple of big names, 
Dan Slat will be over there. I am going to bug him, bug him, bug him out, Silver Surfer, because when, it, when I'm over there, actually, <laughs> it will not have been out issue 14 by that time. Issue 13 is even out yet. I think you can cry on each other's shoulders. Yeah, I'm going I'm to give him a big bear hug and not <laughs> let him go until he promises uh-huh. to give me some more uh, Silver Surfer one way or another. And also headlining the show, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis. And it was just also recently announced that he will be um, having a comics writing master class over there. Teaching wow. Two, yep, teaching two very special once-in-a-lifetime classes. So check out that on the website, londonsupercomicconvention.com. That's quite a roll call of guests there, Pansy. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually sort of, I think, fingers crossed they'll have me working the uh, artist alley like I've been the last time. I'm so. pretty sure they will allow you to play to your strength once again. Well, I'm sort of like a concierge. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, thank you. I'm a concierge. I'm over there like, ooh, I kind of get you, you know, watching their cues and, you know, getting them if he's a lovely beverage, that kind of thing. And You know, I, you're wearing your Flash t-shirt right I am. Now, and it's appropriate because I've seen you in action at the <laughs> artist alley at the LSCC. And you are like the, the, the kingdom come Wally West where he's like <laughs> uh, just a scarlet streak zipping all over the the place, helping as many different citizens as you can. You're an omnipresent. Oh, thank you very much. In, in, That's in very kind. <laughs> so looking forward to that very much. Pants, may I do a couple quick shout-outs for listeners who came to the store recently? Well, actually, that's what I was going to get to in a moment, sir, because... A lot oh, great. Of, okay, very well. Yeah, 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 they don't get these shows of chips, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the last time I saw you was the Saturday of the Garden State Comic Fest where you were set up. And you were doing quite well. Um, oh, yes. So I wanted to ask you, did you, so you had a good show then, basically. Yes, I, it, it, I had a certain financial goal, and we actually exceeded that. Which, which, So I, I have nothing but good things to say about the show. It was well run. The people that ran it were very friendly and attentive. Uh, loved the venue. Uh, easy load in, easy load out. And, and the crowd was fantastic. I mean, it was, you know, teeming mobs of people. But everybody was clearly there, really was into comics. I was selling throughout the weekend everything from wall books to you know two dollar comics and used trades. Great vibe. Definitely be back there next summer. And there is a lot of good cosplay there as well. I saw yeah. when I was there on Saturday. Uh, but just one quick question: Just be vague. Um, did you, with your profits, did you buy what I showed you at the con there? Did you buy that? <laughs> I, I yeah I, I I bought actually two pages of original art. Yes, all right. Um, uh, I went to uh, Barry Kitson's table. Yes. And uh, as we as we, we all know, he was the penciler for the wonderful Avengers uh, 1.0 miniseries mm-hmm. that he that Mark Wade wrote, and I love that story because it's, it's such a, so wonderfully captured the Silver Age feel of the Avengers. And uh, he had a ton of pages from that. Miniseries. Sure now, did. some, as Pan saw, were original pencils. Others, others were inked pages. Was Mark Farmer the inker? Pants? Do you remember? Uh, Mark Farmer's inking on some of them. Some actually Barry Kitson inked on as well. He had to ask okay. the rep which well, which one was which. Right. So I bought uh, two pages. One was an inked Farmer page. They did oh, confirm that. Nice. And uh, it's uh, Hawkeye doing trick shots. Oh, so he got that. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then the other page uh, was just pencils. It's. Uh, all, all, all four of Cap's Cookie Quartet running towards the viewer, the reader, essentially. Um, and then on the bottom panel, you see Thor, and they're both fantastic pages, and they'll be hanging in this shop in the not-too-distant future. Excellent. So, I also want to give a shout-out, a really great uh, listener of ours, Mark Buxton, who, who murdered. He wrote the wonderful take on the living mummy in Back Issue, that, oh. that article you and I both enjoyed. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't think I've read it. 
Okay, then I read it, and I, I must have told you about it because mm. the, the, a couple of months back, back did a wonderful retrospective on, on supernatural thrillers, The Living Mummy. Mark wrote that essay; it was wonderful, and he came to the show. He's a longtime listener, and uh, he bought a ton of stuff. Hell of a nice guy. I just wanted to give a shout out to him. It was really great to meet him. So, and then also this past weekend, Chris had his um, Build a Box sale at the Wild Pig Comics. How did that go, Chris? Pretty well. Uh, my expectations were that for, were lower because it's the middle of the summer, mm-hmm. and as Murray can often attest, that that can be a lethal retail zone. Um, oh yeah, I'm uh, in that just because yeah. people are you don't know what people are away, their schedules are disrupted, mm-hmm. and um, but I have so many back issues that I wanted to thin out the inventory a little bit more. So it was Bill's idea to uh, we've done build a box before, but he, he came at it from a different direction. I thought it worked pretty well, and it, we had a pretty good crowd throughout the day. And um, I, I was I had a goal, and I, I just missed it, so I wasn't that disappointed about that. And um, the people came, spent money, and, and we had people throughout the day. And, and I'm really pleased to say that I think the bringing the wall books back has really done wonders for this for. A, just my enjoyment of selling back issues and also just for the store. And it just – we really – I think we've got the right formula with back issues, like the combination of like the really cheap stuff and then the below-guide sticker price stuff and the wall, and we're, we're really building a nice following. Um, so certainly in the fall, and I'll talk more about that as we get into the fall, we'll, do, we'll be doing, our, of course, our big fall sale, which will have a raffle pants. Oh, sweetness. Yay. So uh, as we get into the fall, I'll have more information on that. So. Excellent. And actually, more shout-outs. We had listeners who came to that sale, too. Oh, nice. Uh, Jim Newton. Ed Lute, who came all the way from Atlantic City with his family. I really oh, appreciate wow, yeah. that. And then Peter Parker Quill Quinones. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, sir. Uh, these were all wonderful listeners who came in and, and spent money and you know expressed how much they enjoy the show. So we all really appreciate that. Very Nice. Um, I want to take a, a moment to give a, a big thank you to all the people who uh, take part on uh, the comic forums uh, at the comicforums.vanillaforums.com. Uh, it's because I know you have your choice of way to express your opinions online, whether it's you know Facebook, Twitter, or other message boards. So I thank you for coming to the comic forums, especially uh, the talkback threads for the episodes, because um, that's where we, I get a lot of the feedback from for the episodes because otherwise it's just us talking and we don't know what's going on out there with the, with the people like. Um, we got some really nice and detailed and very thoughtful posts on our most recent episode of the Top 5 Childhood Comics. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also brought back, I guess there was also a thread about like your first comic you bought. So I want to give a thank you to everybody who takes part in that. It really, it's really nice to see. I'm not much of a participant in myself. It's because I have writer's block and... I can't, you know, I have enough trouble talking, let alone writing my, my thoughts out. Not to worry. Um, we do our part uh, here on the show. And yes, that- I know. But I know, I know our, our co-host, Matt, uh, is also very, pretty active on the forums for other topics, so I want to just give a thanks to everybody who takes part in the forum. It's very much appreciated. And it was great to see how many people posted visuals of the comics yes. from their lists yes. on yes. the uh, forum as well. Um, before we get into other things, Chris, uh, since you're a resident, well, actually also more as well, but our resident Marvel historian... Can you talk a little bit about the passing of Flo Steinberg? Oh, devastating. Fabulous Flo. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I just heard about that. As, uh, you know, actually, Pants, you were the first one to let me aware that that happened. I hadn't even known that she had passed. Um, thank you for letting me know. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if some listeners aren't familiar with the name, she was Stanley's uh, first secretary when 
Marvel Comics was becoming Marvel Comics in the early to mid uh, 1960s, and um, you know she was not a, a creator, so to speak, but she was very much a linchpin in the early Marvel operation. Remember, the early Marvel operation was basically Stan Lee and Flo Steinberg mm-hmm. in, in a in a couple small offices, and then gradually they brought in Roy Thomas and Marie Severin and. John Romita Sr. and other, other staffers, but it was just the two of them and then the freelancers who would come in and out with their work, like Kirby and Ditko, etc. And uh, you know, she was just always renowned for her, her vivacious, exuberant personality, her, how friendly she was. She would often deal with you know fans coming up trying to get into the office. Um, she answered she answered tons of letters. That was one of her, her jobs, for example. Um, just everyone I, I I never unfortunately never met her personally at a show, but because she didn't go to shows, but everyone I know who have either spoken to or have read accounts. Nobody has – and I didn't receive anything bad anybody's ever said about Flo Steinberg. All the creators and, and, and you know Marvel bullpenners who worked with her had not, nothing but nice things to say uh, throughout the years. Stanley called her his gal Friday mm-hmm. essentially, and um, I, I know he, I know he, t- he tweeted you know, his, some thoughts on her. Uh, after a passing, she wasn't that old. She was 78. Unfortunately, she had, uh, I think, lung cancer and was a brain aneurysm, if I remember correctly. Um, so, really sorry to hear that. But if people aren't aware, she's she may not have been doing the drawing or the writing, but she was very much an integral part in the early building of Marvel into the phenomenon uh, that it became. And one postscript: Why did she leave Marvel? Because that prick, Martin Goodman. Wouldn't give her a few dollars raise yep. in the late 1960s, and I'm sorry. I mean, I don't. I all I know about Mark Goodman is what I read, but I, I, there are certain things that I read or hear about that I think are very telling about just a person in general. There, there are those moments that I think capture so much when you don't recognize how important someone is to your operation. When you were basically a freaking millionaire, okay, and you can't give this person. I think it was in 1968. You know, just a modest raise. You're a piece of shit. Period. Um, so that she left Marvel, she went on to she got involved in, uh, in uh, underground comics. Yeah. She actually published, um, I think it was called Big Apple Comics, remember correctly, an, uh, an underground comic. And then she returned to Marvel uh, later in life, and she was did proofreading for them even in, into her, her later years. So she was very much a mainstay. Of the Marvel operations, so it's beginning and then and then recurring throughout the years. And uh, very sorry to hear that uh, she passed. Yes, I thought you would uh, have some thoughts on that, Chris. So thank you for for sharing them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Long time listeners of our show may recognize the name Zach Cruzy. Uh, used to actually work at uh, Discount Comic Book Service uh, back in the day. I uh, also used to write uh, some comics with, with Big Jim Miller. I forget the name of the book off the top of my head. Ah, uh, uh, well, he he did a thing called the contingency for it. Oh, he also did that as uh, well. Yeah, the thing that he did with Big Jim. Oh boy, I can picture the character. He was uh, sort of like a, an overweight, pompous explorer with a big mustache. Right. He was uh, some kind of uh, like a, a, a skeptic yeah. slash explorer yes. going around exploring and uh, exploding and debunking myths. Right. I can't remember his name either. Yeah, so forgive me for that. But of course, actually, a huge comic book fan and you know big uh, big Ditko fan. Actually. Um, Helped DCBS get some of the Ditko fanzines for sale on through DCBS. Not too long ago, Zach was uh, was on vacation, was posting his photos on Instagram, on his Facebook, and he went to New York City. And uh, one of the spots he went to was the Society of Illustrators, where they had those original art pages 
from I think was it issue thirty three, Chris, where Spider Man pulls put you know lifts oh, yes. the stuff up off yep. of his, and mm-hmm. he took a picture with those with those um, those original pages, and he also did which I've seen some other people do, go and visit Steve Ditko. <laughs> <laughs> Or try to. Oh, the comic we were talking about is called Mystery Solved, by That's the way. That's exactly right. Well, from what I read, um, he actually managed to – he knocked on his door and he answered the door. And for knowing Zach as I do, that was a tough thing to do. And he said he would have regretted had he not done it because, you know, you don't want to bother the man. He's in his 80s. Mm. But from whatever – apparently Zach was just – floored by that so congratulations zach uh well did he actually have a conversation with him or well or no? i didn't i didn't get into that too much but uh, okay mm, knowing did, ditko i imagine the door probably closed right quickly. but he did at least get yeah. to meet him i know how much he meant to him so that was very cool uh all right well so we're gonna in a minute get into some uh news about uh the recent san diego comic-con that passed uh but first we're gonna have it's, it's time for it's story time here um so I was actually planning on going out to Comic-Con, uh, but I, I had to cancel my plans about a month ago. Um, I had applied for a press pass way back when, before the deadline, uh, but I never heard one way or the other if I was approved or not. So I was like, rah, rah, rah. Um, but there's local, <laughs> there's a local friend of mine who actually has been setting up uh, at Comic-Con for years, so he told me, yes, I could get a pass through them. You know, I had to pay for it, but I can get a pass through them to get to the show. And I was, I would have been able to, you know, crash at their hotel room, you know, sleep on their floor, you know, get a, you know, air mattress, which is like right by the, it was at the, the, um, the high, which is like, really, I've never been that close to the con before. So I had that all set up. I actually even already bought a plane ticket. So I was planning on going out there. But when I was down at Heroes Con, I started, uh, doing the math and thinking things. And it's like, I, I, I just couldn't justify in my mind because it's so expensive to go out there and, you know, just to get out there and to get in and to eat and stay. And mm. I would have wanted to buy some things. So I, I just looked at the costs and I just, I just couldn't justify doing that. So I cashed my plans. I got my, my plane ticket uh, refunded and, you know, it's also in um, reserve so I can use that money to go buy another plane ticket and I go out next year, wherever I go. Um, so, I was kind of bummed I wasn't going to Comic-Con. So, this past Sunday, I'm going to just, I might get into grumpy pants territory, so bear with me here. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, we're bracing ourselves. So, Sunday, the week before Comic-Con, get have to go to work on Sunday morning and uh, take a shower, and there's no hot water. Like, ooh, well, this is this is not good. Uh, I don't know, maybe something's going on. It's, i got to get to work. I'll, I'll check when I get back home later. Um forgot about it monday morning because i got up so early i get up like before five it's like oh geez there's still no hot water so okay monday get home from work look downstairs at the hot water heater and i see there's like a little water around the area so well this isn't good so i figured well i gotta call a plumber i don't really know who to call so i i I called my cousin because i hadn't she has just gotten back from a trip so i'm gonna see how things are going with her and see if she could recommend somebody well she didn't know anybody but uh her mother my aunt was there and she said well why don't you call this this one plumber because uh you know way back when i used to be neighbors with uh with the people who run the business and oh, okay that's good so i called him actually no i didn't call him that was that was monday when it happened again and i, I said I, so i got the information but i i said well i'll, I'll call my day off on wednesday i'm gonna stand up for this next part here so <laughs> well because i think i mentioned that i have a lot of comics in my house and we've Uh-oh. kidded around that 
you know, one day they're going to crush me in my sleep. Well, that, not to my big, my biggest fear is that because I live alone, I've known for two over two years since my mom passed away, that something would happen to me in the house, like I would fall or something, and I, the neighbors wouldn't hear me, and I just ended up dead on the floor there. That damn near almost happened. So it's easier for me because I'm very sloppy to just instead of moving something in my way to like to walk around it. <laughs> so you know those things all over the floor in the hallway at the top of the stairs. So at the top of the stairs, I had a short box of comics and some comics next to it. So after I hung up the phone about finding about the plumber, I went downstairs. I stepped on an underdog comic. Which was in which was in its bag and board, and my feet went out from under me, and I started to fall down the stairs. Oh Jesus! Maybe there is a need to fear after all. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I managed to grab hold of the banister and right myself. But um, I slammed, slammed below my left kneecap. Onto the stairs. As oh. you can see here, Murd, I am still scarred in black and blue. Yes, I am sole witness. I was in excruciating pain. Thank God nothing was broken because I can still move around and everything. But, you know, I... How many uh, days ago did you incur this injury? This was a week ago Monday. Hmm. Yep, and it is still quite visible even now. Yes. Um, so I managed to, you know, ice it down a little bit, but it's like... Okay, let me clear the hallway and the top of the stairs so <laughs> it doesn't happen again hmm. because... For a split second there, I thought it was I thought it was goner. Mm. I was just whoo, I don't know how I managed to right myself, but I managed to not fall down, but I really slammed hard on the stairs. So, so that was Monday. So that was a fun day. So Tuesday again, still no hot water. I said, well, I gotta just get out of the house. So I went to go play poker Tuesday night. Lost a pocket aces, so that was that didn't go very well. Mm. <laughs> so oh, so Wednesday I decided let me call call the plumber. So I called him and gave him my name. And the woman answered the phone goes, was your mother Shirley? I'm like, well, yeah. Turns out the woman answered the phone there was my babysitter from 40 years ago. <laughs> so we were talking and catching up. I said, yeah, I need a plumber. So they, they, they came out, actually came out within about a, uh, an hour. It was, it was really great. So, yeah, I, I needed a new water heater. And they gave me an estimate. And it was... About what it would have planned on spending out of Comic Con again out there and everything. So it's like, so there's the universe telling you you shouldn't be going to San Diego. Yeah. So but still, it was, it's it's a bit of uh, very good luck, you know, highly serendipitous that uh, you know this lady happened to be your ex babysitter <laughs> yes. at this plumbing company. <laughs> so they took care of you. Yeah, they took. So they, they actually came out Thursday. But so then Wednesday, uh, I was I was on the Facebook. Uh, looking around at things because you know Tuesday I went to a lot of my friends and people we know and just general people were going out to Comic Con and go, you're ready to go out there and I see the pictures and I'm like oh I wish I was out there because it's so nice out there and seeing things and I came across a live stream Wednesday night of, of preview night at the Alex Ross booth somebody was going around taking live shots of the booth seeing the lines for people to buy things and the art in the wall there was a nice homage to the Detective Comics cover, I think Detective 31, with Batman above, and there's the, like, above the map. Oh, it's a classic. Classic Ugh. cover. So, there's an Alex Ross version oh, of well, that. Oh, with uh, the monk in the foreground. Yeah, yes. yeah. Right. So, so, that cover there. And the going around the booth, 
And then I hear a familiar voice talking something about, like, goldfish and, like, pets and something. And then they get a shot. There's Uncle Sal in his full <laughs> suit and tie, with his bright yellow tie. And I thought, oh, crap, man. I wish I was out there. God damn it. <sighs> fudge, fudge. So then Thursday. Pants, you need a water heater. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, you know, Thursday they were, came out and fixed the water heater. and But it was just so stinking hot that day. I was still ticked off about Comic-Con. And I decided, you know what? I, I have to just get off of the internet. So I signed out of all my social media, just signed out of that, and haven't been back since. Because I didn't want to be spoiled by, by anything or just get myself all worked up in a bottle. And I, I got to tell you, since I've dropped you know, off social media, I've noticed things that I never knew were there before. You know, <laughs> birds singing. Um, <laughs> dew glistening on a newly formed leaf. Formed leaf. <laughs> uh, Stoplights. Uh, <laughs> so, and, you know, maybe I'll go back on social media at some point. I'm off tomorrow. Maybe I'll just be bored and, and do that, but. So, I had to gather some information about what's going on at Comic-Con th- afterwards through, you know, the news site and so forth. Uh, so, a couple of things I want to go over first. Uh, the Eisner Award winners. There's some interesting... Of course, that's the more or less... You give me a really strange look there, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're, like, staring right through me. Putting my eyes back in their sockets <laughs> now. I'm sorry. They, they, they went rogue on me for a minute. And again, by the way, guys, if they need sure. to just jump in at all time, please jump in. Happy to. Um... So, of course, they're considered basically the Oscars of comics. Mm-hmm. And we go down some of the list here. Uh, the best new series. Do you know what that was, Murd? Best new series. Killer Be Killed? Black Hammer. Ooh. Ah. Bringing the hammer down. You still keeping up with that? Yes, certainly. You're not skimming, though. You're actually reading it? Uh, well, no, I'm skimming. <laughs> oh. that's, that's more than I'm doing for a lot of the things I'm buying these right, days. Right. So it's still something of an honor. Yep. Uh, best limited series was The Vision. By Tom King, Outstanding, as if there were any doubt. Um, best continuing series, Saga. Uh, best reality-based work, March, you know, by John Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, best graphic album that was new, Wonder Woman, The True Amazon. That was wonderful. I read that. Yep. Uh, best writer, Brian K. Vaughn. Absolutely. Uh, best penciler, inker, individual, or team was Fiona Staples for Saga. I'm just going to go to some other ones here. Um, Todd Klein for best lettering. Mm. <laughs> uh, best an institution. Co- yeah, best cover art was Fiona. Best cover art was Fiona Staples for Saga. Best short story ah. was Good Boy <laughs> by Tom King and David Finch from Batman Annual, Annual Number One, right? Featuring Ace yes, the Bat Hound. Ace the Bat Hound. A Christmas <laughs> tale of Ace the Bat Hound. Yeah. Some of the other announcements. And actually, I actually I didn't get very many emails. About Comic Con press releases, but I, I did get one, which actually I think came out. Man, it may have been come out before the con. When did I get this? Um, no, I actually got it. I think the Thursday of the con, got it from um, IDW through Top Shelf. Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill present the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume Four: The Tempest. And after they do that, they're going to retire from comics. Right. The six-issue the six issue miniseries will serve as, quote, swan song, end quote, and not only huh. to the award-winning League series, but also to creators' careers. Hmm. I mean, we'll see if that's true, but I love this series. Uh, I have – I've got all the issues. 
Uh, I have the um, the absolute. Yeah. Absolute. That's what I have. I have yeah. the absolutes for 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 one and two. Those are pretty big announcements. We'll see how much. I mean, that does not come out to like next year. That's not going to come out, mm. but um, like about a year from now. So I'm looking forward to that uh, very much. Um, did you hear Murd about the? Uh, they're coming out with Wonder Woman Earth Two Book Two. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it Earth Two or Earth One? Oh yeah, it's Earth One Book Two. Okay, yeah, right. Wonder Woman Earth One Book Two right, by Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette. Yes, because you you raved about that. I did. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yes, I, I liked that uh, take on Wonder Woman and her supporting cast in particular. There were yeah. there were Kangas. There was <laughs> Etta Candy going woo woo. <laughs> a lot of the classic <laughs> elements were there. Uh, yeah. So for Volume Two, I'm reading online here. Uh, Morrison intends to continue uh, many of the alternative themes he established in the first time around. Uh, this time, however, it seems that he also plans to tell a much more action-driven story that focuses on the battle between the Amazons and the Nazis. Oh. All right. So I know you're looking forward to that. And he also mentioned, I shouldn't brush over this, that this has kind of caught me by surprise. Morrison's going to be doing a follow-up to Arkham Asylum. Mm. There'll be volume two of Arkham Asylum uh, with art, wow. by, art by Chris Burnham. Mm, 30 years later. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be uh, the Damian Wayne Batman from Batman 666. Okay. As you look at me for the eye there. Well, sorry, I wasn't looking at you exactly. I was, <laughs> I was looking at Grant Morrison through you. You, ah, you, you were okay. the proxy. <laughs> I was the proxy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Was there? I, I, saw, I saw a blurb. And I didn't really do much research on it. That Frank Miller is going to do a Superman Year One. Yeah, that's right. He was a special really? guest at their DC Masterclass yeah, panel, yeah. and he announced he was going to do uh, something along those lines. Uh, not drawing it though. I, f- I forget who's going to be the artist, but uh, I thought it was JRJR. Oh, Ramita, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then I feel even less <laughs> excited about it because <laughs> Miller has never really Yikes. impressed me as a guy who gets Superman, or maybe mm-hmm. he's just deliberate. It's because he was telling a Batman story in The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, he sort of uh, warped Superman. Uh, you know, he, he showed us a version of Superman as seen through uh, Bruce Wayne's sort of extreme ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. <sighs> If that in any way reflects the way Frank Miller feels about Superman as a character, and I, I have I've liked even less the way he uh, treated Superman in the subsequent Dark Knight, uh, type, like the, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, and this most recent Dark Knight Master Race thing, Superman's basically a villain. Oh, uh, I yeah I I, 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 I don't have a, a good feeling about this. Okay, I'm also reading here pants that he's also doing a follow up to 300. Called Xerxes, the fall of the house of uh, Darius and the rise of Alexander. Oh, I did not rise. So, I'm trying to see who the artist of Year One is here for Superman. Okay, I don't see it. In the, I don't see it in this particular article that I'm reading. Okay, but well, like I said, uh, I didn't really. I'm sort of behind the eight ball, or not behind the eight ball. I'm sort of catching up on news from Comic Con. I didn't see anything while it was going on. I just you know stayed away. But I wanted to talk to a couple topics, at least at least the comic topics, because I know there's tons of. Movie and TV things after which I managed to avoid all that, which is also great. I'm not spoiled by much of anything. Yeah. Um, I prefer to hear about the comics news that comes out. Right, right, anyway. right. Uh, I think there was some uh, the Doomsday Clock. I think it's or Doomsday Clock is going to be a twelve issue. Oh yeah, um, series with Gary Frank and uh, Jeff Johns. That actually I'm looking forward to. We'll, we'll see how that comes out. I think November twenty second, first um, right before Thanksgiving, is issue number one comes out. Looking forward to that. Uh, is, is anything else you caught, caught your guys' eyes at all? Uh, well, did you note uh, 
In the aftermath of Secret Empire, uh, Steve Rogers will be back in the Captain America costume, and this will be you know, original formula, non-hydro-corrupted Steve Rogers. <laughs> okay. And it's going to be a series returning to its legacy numbering in like the high 600s, and the creative team... Mark Wade and Chris Samney? <laughs> the very same. Wow. Uh, no, I, I didn't see that. Wade, you know... <laughs> Keep on not seeing it. Your, your, your bank account will thank you for <laughs> continuing not to be aware that the Daredevil superstars Wade and Somni will now be ha- tackling Steve Rogers. Yeah, yes, think... answering the difficult questions in the wake of the Secret Empire thing. Well, and I'm uh, really enjoying Secret Empire. Um, I think it's one of the more audacious events Marvel's done, especially because they gave Nick Spencer the time to really build towards it over a period of, of, of a couple of years. So I'm really digging that story. I look forward to talking about it more as, as it as it ends, I'm, obviously I'm not shocked that Steve Rogers is going to be Captain America uh, <laughs> at the conclusion of it, but I'm interested yeah. to see how they get to that point because where the miniseries is now, holy ma- mackerel, that's grim. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see uh, you know how they go, go about this transition, but I'm, I'm enjoying that story quite a bit. Sooner or later, we'll loop back around to the beginning of that series and talk about it as an off-the-rack. Sounds good. <laughs> Ah, uh, let's see. There was other stuff that caught my eye. Uh, DC's doing a new book called The Terrifics, which is basically a poke at the Fantastic Four. I saw that, yeah. The, Jeff Lemire, right? Yes, yes. Coming off of his Marvel-exclusive deal, he will be uh, writing this for DC. And so it's, uh, I guess, similar to Danger Unlimited by John Byrne. Before it, it's uh, it's, it's kind of a takeoff on the Fantastic Four with Plastic Man and uh, Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific, and Metamorpho in the Thing role, and Phantom Girl, which yes. is not Phantom Lady, but Phantom Girl, yes. as in like Tinya Wazo of the Legion of Superheroes. Huh? And a bunch of uh, interesting and peculiar DC Universe guest stars, apparently. So it's, it's going to be kind of an off-the-wall book. Uh, Evan Doc Shaner is going to be drawing the second arc. I so saw that, yeah. Oh, wow. Of uh, Future Quest, among other things. Yeah, so that's, that's, that could be a good book. I mean, the premise just kind of seems like a little bit of in bad taste to me at first uh, exposure. You know, just uh, taking a pot shot at Marvel for not publishing the Fantastic Four anymore. <laughs> right. But something good may yet come of it. Mm-hmm. I, I trust Lemire that far. So I'll definitely give that a look when it comes out. I want to point out, by the way, that if anybody is missing the Fantastic Four as much as I am, if you read Bendis' and Malev's infamous Iron Man, which is excellent, which is about Victor Von Doom apparently trying to atone for his – multitude of crimes as the in a sense the quote new iron man they're bringing the fantastic four into that at least the thing and the human torch so they're still there it's just you know you're not getting the full-on the full-on team Mm. and that's a whole i mean i think that whole situation is absurd but um that's 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 what what it is at the moment all right, if there's nothing else, we'll see if we get our special guest on the line. You see if he's, uh, I think he may have just got on Skype. Let me see. Martheus? Yes. Okay, there so he let's is. Let's give him a call, see if we can get him on. Hello, Martheus. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, very good. Chris, are you still there as well? I'm here. Oh, okay, so we've got Chris and Martheus on at the same time right now? We have. Oh, excellent. Well, oh, Martheus, first of all, I don't know, can you, can you see us, or you, do you have a camera, or... Yeah, yeah, I'm actually taking looking at you now, man. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so you, so you like hot, y'all are hot tech. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I do. We're, <laughs> you, no, <laughs> well, that, that, you kind of like pants comes kinda like stepped up your game, man. This, this is <laughs> it's exciting. It's like I'm there. I'm right there. <laughs> well, if you were here, we could actually, you know, I don't give you a high five or whatever, but we, I can't do that. So virtual high five. Virtual high five. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Um, 
Martheus Wade is actually now joined us via the Skype here on our Comic Talk episode. Welcome back to the show, Martheus. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's 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 good to be back on the show, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Well, we did see you at C2E2. We spoke to you briefly out there with, um, oh my God, the Sean, guy. Sean, Sean Pryor. Pryor. Sean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, um, it was good to see you guys. Like, like it, that was that. You know, C2E2 felt like, to a certain extent, it felt like a, a, a family re- family reunion, especially on um, on Saturday during a, during during the day. You know what I mean? And and uh, Friday afternoon, Friday night, man. It felt like a family reunion. It was really cool. Like, like you don't realize how, you know, doing comics, how much certain people actually mean to you until you actually don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, because because you know, it, with the explosion of comic book com- the the comic book community and the comic book uh, cons and stuff like that, you know, it's harder for us to actually run into each other now than it used to be. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, so it's it's you don't you don't realize how much you you actually really miss people until you don't see them for a while. Then you actually see them. You're like, holy cow, that's the <laughs> that's the itch that I need to scratch. I saw pants right there. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a nickel, it's my heart that I'd have maybe changed for a quarter. I don't know. <laughs> Having a whole chapter of your personal history retconned back into into being. <laughs> exactly. Where? It's like it's almost like uh, Dr. Manhattan came and took a couple of years of your life just out of your time stream and you didn't know but you know something is wrong something is wrong and then all of a sudden pants runs straight out of the the speed force and says hey man i missed you and you have to be like who are you and then all of a sudden you see him you be like pants and you just grab him and hug him you know what i'm saying and then you know something's complete but then there's two pants in your world and you just gotta figure out which one is gonna be you know you gotta so I got to figure out who that other, what that other pants. Janet is the other pants. I got to get rid of one of them. <laughs> no, don't get rid of Janet. You guys have a good thing there, man. Yeah. Good God. There's room for infinite pants. <laughs> oh, <let's laughs> well, we, as long as they vibrate differently. It's... We just had a, a visit from Grumpy Pants not too long ago. So. Oh, the pants of oh, yeah? three? Oh, well, yeah. I, I do, he doesn't have a beard. You have... <laughs> Earth, Earth, this is not pants. a beard. This is just a bunch of taped-on hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Mark, so Marthias, again, thank you. He contacted us because um, we wanted to come back on the show. It's been quite a while. So yeah, man. We were just talking recently about uh, some of the news from Comic-Con. What kind of things did you see from Comic-Con that uh, caught your eye? Oh, man, I saw so much stuff, dude. Um, I saw, you know, like uh, Thor Ragnarok. Man, that looked good. Um uh, freaking um, Justice League that looked good. Stranger Things looked good, man. I like most of the time when I'm looking at these things, I'm looking at it like you know I'm I'm really not kind of I'm kind of not really um, ha- enjoying it. I'm kind of just taking it in because I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's it, you know it's it's like I feel like oh well I know. I'm I'm supposed to be inside the geek culture, so I got to look at this stuff. But <laughs> this year, this year it really felt like, man, dude, they're coming out. People are coming out with stuff. They sh- they're like firing on all cel- cylinders. You know what I mean? Like even like even like for Netflix, Netflix had four or five trailers that I was just like, holy cow, I want to see those. You know, <laughs> and, and and that's Netflix. You know, when you go to like the bigger companies and things like that, that was awesome. Um, 
they had uh like one of one of the things that were getting controversy, especially in our household, was Death Note. Like uh-huh. like Death Note for if anybody followed has watched the manga, or, uh, watched the anime, or read the manga, or anything. Uh, it's Japanese oriented, Japanese show and stuff like that. So when, when me and Janet first heard that they were doing a Death Note and we they didn't have any kind of information on it, we heard that they were only going. They were we initially heard that it was a different story. So it would be an American cast, but it would make sense because it would be an, it would be a different story inside the Death Note world. We were like, oh, cool, all in for it. And then all of a sudden they said it was going to be the actual adaptation of it with an all-American cast, and we were like, oh, man, that's, that's going to suck, man, you know? And then I saw the trailer, and I'm just like, damn, I don't want to like it, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> and, I had, and I had that evil, that evil look on my face, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might have to look at this on the down low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, man, they had, they had, a, it was, it was a ton of stuff. I mean, even from, like, video games, man, they had, like, Starfire that was, um, that was, um, um, introduced for Injustice, and that trailer looked good, and then in that trailer they had, like, they snuck in Bizarro, and, 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 oh. you know, like, Dragon Ball Z, they Dragon Ball Z fighters. They had like they they uh, introduced uh, Trunks just just not too long ago at Evo, and then now they introduced like Piccolo and Krillin, and you know I'm just like oh my gosh man, it's, I'm not gonna have any money. I'm just <laughs> I'm just resigned to not have any money going into the end of into into the end of uh, 2017 and into 2018. No money at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a good feeling, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, I guess, but I got Anakin. Got to have some shoes, man. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> well, this man running around right now. He need a haircut, <laughs> and he looked like he a little Hobbit baby because his hair is all puffed up on top of his head. And... <laughs> we don't know what that's like here, <laughs> all do we, Omar? Oh, does he have hairy toes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. So, he, he doesn't have hairy toes yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, give it time. <laughs> uh, in, in case our listeners didn't actually listen to our C2 episode, uh, I want to mention, of course, Martheus Wade has, we've known him for almost, almost 10 years, if not longer, uh, way back yeah. when uh, you started with, I guess it was Jetta was the first time we heard about yeah, him, correct? Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's been a long, tough comic book road for me, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you're still out there making the comics. You're out with you're with Action Lab right now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, man. I mean, a lot of stuff come came full circle. I mean, we touched on it when we were at, on that. You know, we were on when we saw each other at CTE too. I mean, a lot of stuff just came full circle. I mean, like when when I came on the show like years ago for the first time, it was you know me and Janet. And we were we were getting ready to go to San Diego Comic Con for the. I, that was my second time going to Comic Con, and this was, and the book that was out that was coming out was our first book through Diamond. When you guys actually, um, uh, when we when we reached out to you guys and we actually were on the show, and you know, just that was, you know, Sean hit it on the head. He was like, "Man, a lot of folks like right now owe like their." comic book careers like to comic geek speak you know what i mean this is like a whole new generation a new crop of people that's com- that that comic be- geek, geek speak kind of 
ushered in, you know what I'm saying? And, um, like, Action Lab wouldn't be Action Lab without Comic Geek Speak, you know what I mean? I wouldn't know Sean without Comic Geek Speak. I wouldn't know Julian. I wouldn't know Daryl without Comic Geek Speak. That might be a good thing. Yeah. I shouldn't. Maybe, maybe. Let's take that one back. Let's take that one back. Let's rewind, rewind that. So I wouldn't know Julian without Comic Geek Speak or Sean. You know what I mean? So Ah, uh, Daryl you know, Taylor. Your ears must be burning. You know, so, you know, but but you know, friendships were made and and, and long long lasting friendships were made, man. And and uh, comic book companies were built off of off of the forums and stuff, man. So you know, I I I like to I like to say thank you guys for that, man. That was that's it's been it's been a it's been a good ride, man. Uh, is it okay to assume the check is in the mail then? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it might be like in, in the cents area, yeah. you know, like <laughs> 25 cents or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, also, yeah. way back when, when he was on Jetta and we got in touch with him, he actually sent to the studio for all of us some original art pages from his first Jetta book. And oh, the, yeah. The, pa- the page that I claimed was page 52. 52! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, thank you for it that. That was very kind of you. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was, it was meant, the, you know, the number 52, then it's, it's been meant to be for you. It's, it seems you know? to be true, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, 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 uh, that was, that was, man, I gotta give you guys an update, because that, that artwork wasn't that. It's, it's. I look back at my old stuff and I'm just. I cringe. And I want to burn it. Well, so no, you, you, you're <laughs> not going to burn it because I got it. Always your you own know. toughest critics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's 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 been a it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride, man. I've, I've had I've had fun in these in these uh, comic books. A lot of ups and downs, but at the same time, I mean, luckily there you know there've been a, a, a whole hell of a lot of ups. So yeah. That's good because you're now actually doing work for. Make sure I get this right. The Memphis Redbirds minor league ball club is that correct? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm doing uh, I'm doing um, graphic design and um, uh, for them as well, like graphic design, illustration, and stuff like that. So uh, baseball season, man, it keeps me super busy, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's really cool to be able to talk to you know some of the players and. Um, be able to meet some of the players, especially some of these guys that that are are you know that they're going to go up, you know, to to the big leagues, man. You know what I'm saying? So being able to see them and talk to them and stuff before they go up and stuff like that, it's it's been really cool. You know, it's been really cool. Um, but also being able to do some really um, some work that goes so far out there it goes beyond you like i i go to games and stuff like that and then i'll leave a game going going uh back home or whatnot and you know see people maybe walking around with you know a jersey that i designed or Mm. you know some posters or something i drew and things like that you know that don't even necessarily know exactly who did it but they're just enjoying the, the artwork on it man that that's that's kind of like the uh, dream of every artist, man, is to have your artist art kind of transcend, transcend you to where you don't really matter, but the art kind of lives on without you, you know. Um, so that, that's 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 a really cool feeling to be able to 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 see, you know. 
Now, Adam, I don't know if you saw recently uh, some of the stuff he's posted. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, please correct me, Martheus. But did you or did you not design the recent, I guess, elf-like uniforms for Christmas in July? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess he did. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that's, that's the third, the third year that I've done Christmas in July jerseys like that. And, and yeah, man, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I, I don't like, I will, I will go on, I will go on, I will go on record saying I don't understand like the ugly sweater thing. Like we talk about this at, at the job too. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, like I could design it and I understand. I understand what what makes it design wise, but I don't understand the appeal of it. But man, yeah, I, it's, you know, I, you know, I do several designs, and you know, it's it's up to a higher power than mine to actually be able to pick those designs. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they picked that one, I was like, whoa, all right, yeah. <laughs> good luck, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I've actually found the, the images, and yeah, the the ugly sweater thing, yeah. <laughs> I think the other yeah. team might uh, be able to, you know, sue for like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like <laughs> biological warfare, perhaps. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Man. Trying to yeah, induce well, queasiness. The, the, I knew there was something to it when the first year I did the ugly sweater version of it. They, the local media said, "Do not adjust your TV sets. This is actually what the Redbirds are wearing." And I was like, "Oh." Uh, and my mom blew me up. She gave me a call. She was like, did you do that? <laughs> did you design? Tell me you did not design that. <laughs> uh, oh, my yeah. Just give them the call uh, what they but, want. That's all. Yeah. But it's so fun. It's, it's fun, man. I I have fun. It's, I, I have fun doing that, man. It's, it's, you know. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't also want to mention uh, in the current previews, which I think you may still be able to get a late order in. Is your latest book uh, from Action Lab, Shinobi Ninja Princess Lightning Oni Number One? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, man. I I actually got a um, I got a a, a certified cool in Diamond too, man. I, nice. You know, the the day the day that I got a certified cool in Diamond, man. If somebody would have told me like a couple of years ago that that was going to happen, um. Man, I would be like, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you got problems. But but yeah, man, I mean, I'm excited about it. It's it's a you know, Shinobi Ninja Princess is a different take on some of the stuff that I've been doing. I've been doing when I first met you guys, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's I don't want to say it's completely different because it's in the same it's technically in the same Jetta Tales of Toshigawa world. Mm-hmm. It's just it takes place earlier in the career of that character. So she's like, instead of being 20-something, she's like 14. You know what I mean? And um, um, all of the character, the cast of characters from that book and some new characters, they're centered around that teenage type of world. So you got kind of like... It's like Riverdale. If you took Riverdale and you spiced uh, spiced it up with some uh, Naruto, mm. you know what I mean. And um, um, it, it's 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 a fun take. It's a fun take. It, it, it's it's something that you know. It began with me and Janet, me writing these short stories, um, because I knew eventually Jetta was gonna the Jetta Tezo Toshiga graphic novels were gonna come to an end, 
and I still wanted to do things, but I didn't want to do that version of the character for too much longer. And I just wrote these small stories that were supposed to be web stories. And and really, to tell you the truth, I didn't even know if I was going to publish on a web. I just it was something for me to pass the time to get the writing itch out. And I would write these little shorts, and me and Janet would on the way from home from work, I would read them to her and, or she would read them while I was driving and she would laugh, you know what I mean? Because they were kind of funny. You know, some, some things were in it that was funny. Um, and some things that were just kind of, uh, were kind of like, uh, you know, uh, serious, real serious, you know, serious on a, on a serious tone, not meaning that it's like world crashing or world defeating <laughs> and stuff like that, uh, you know? But, um, and then I started talking to her about, well, you know, how about if, you know, what are some of the things as a girl, when you were younger, that you went through that you feel like need to be addressed? Like, like, you know, how did you deal with bullying? How did you deal with, um, um, from a, from a female's perspective, perspective, like, how did you deal with, um, oh, your this girl's hair is longer than yours and you might be getting bullied because of that or you don't have this designer clothes or you know or you know what what are the things that that you um you felt you know i mean that that needs to be addressed and she was like one of the things that were really big is that she used to be good at sports and it wasn't until some a lot of girls started telling her that she wasn't supposed to do it and that you know teacher said that's not how a girl is supposed to act that she kind of stopped you know i was just kind of like wow that's kind of powerful you know so and that's how i got to the i I did i came about with the real the first issue it was just the first issue of the the first series because the lightning only is the second second series Mm -hmm. so it came out last year from action lab as well well two years ago from action lab as well for the first series and then that was six issues. And then this one is going to be the lightning only is the follow up. And it's four issues. Um, but yeah, we started, like I said, we started out talking about all that and stuff like that. And that's how Shinobi Ninja Princess came to, came to actually be. Yeah. Well, uh, the first issue, uh, looks like it's going to come out on September 13th and it's still, I think, able to be ordered mm-hmm. through diamond. Uh, the diamond code if you want to order is J U L for July. Uh, one yes. seven, one two six zero. That's J U L one seven one two six zero. I get the yeah. action lab. And please, please, like if you have a, a a a kid, or if you are a parent that you know, or an adult that has access to kids that read and things like that, and are in the comics, man, you know, let them let them check this book out. You know, it's it's it, it's um it's a fun adventure story. Um, and I think we need a lot more fun adventure story stories for kids that are out there as well. So oh, yeah, that man. doesn't talk that doesn't talk down to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like you don't have to talk down to kids. Shoot, you know, Anakin, Anakin. Now I have to talk down to Anakin. I mean, I I just tell him, hey, dude, you know, that's <laughs> messed up what you just did, and he'd be like, oh, for real? And I'm like, yeah, that's for real. He'd be like, all right, you, sure you know what I mean? It's not it's not talking down. I'm talking to him just like he a dude. You know what I mean? It's just. You know, you got to talk down to him. So, well, that's cool. Now, yeah. um, do you have some more time to spend with us here? Or do you have to go? No, no, I, I'm okay. Good. Uh, I'm because good. we're going to get. Um, have you seen the Spider-Man movie yet? I have not. Oh, but, but, but I mean, 
man, there's so many spoilers at this point, man. It's like I felt like I've seen the whole movie. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, 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 I want to get out to see it, but the problem is that I, what Anakin wants to go with me, and I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to go without him. So, oh, and we've been okay. missing each other here lately, so. Because uh, we're going to have uh, another guest come on in a second to talk about it. You're welcome to hang out if you want to listen to this talk, talk about it. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, if you guys, if you guys, I, I might have questions. Okay, well, so, uh, you want to see if we can get our special guest on the line uh, Well, I can't because he's not online yet. All right. Hey, guys. Yes. Hey, guys. Is yes. it okay if Anakin says hello? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Hold on. It's comic geek speak. Hello. 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 How are you, Anakin? Anakin Grayson Wade. <laughs> is he stuck in traffic? Or no, something? we've we've got about five minutes till we get our special guest on the line oh, here. Is that so? so, what else can we talk about? Uh, well, I wanted to slip in one more bit of uh, San Diego news that uh, popped into my head. Certainly. While we were that, I forgot to mention it earlier, but it's probably sure. the thing I'm most excited about okay. of all the announcements. And you know, a couple of pe- our listeners were good enough to let me know about it actually via Twitter on our CGS feed or uh, through personal email, uh, IDW has finally made the announcement that I've been scanning their section of previews for for like two years now as part of their Hasbro-verse uh, series of properties. They are finally going to bring Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, man. You're... I saw that. I was so excited about that. You remember that from the 80s, Martheus? Yeah, I still got I still got my toys. I, I'm pretty sure I do too. I don't I don't know exactly where, but I know I never threw them away. Yeah, I got I've got um, the leader. I forgot what his name was. The leader, Leo, um, and his yeah yeah, and um, the second in command for the good guys. Uh, the I one, still got those with the bear on his chest. Yeah, yeah, cryotech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and my um my uh I, but I lost. You remember they used to come with um the staff, mm-hmm. the staffs that were that were uh, holographic as well. Yeah, I lost my staff, man. I I lost my staff, <laughs> but my holograms on the front of their chest still work. So that's that's amazing. I I can't believe that. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> huh? <Yeah>. What? <laughs> How did you miss this? I He's I, older than we are. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I am old. I'm old. I was born in the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, well, it was um, it was sort of of the generation of G.I. Joe and Transformers. It was an 80s toy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I never got into Transformers at all. We're thinking like 1987, I think, in, in that uh, time frame. Oh, yeah, no. It, it didn't take off very well. Okay. Um, they, they, they did make a tie-in uh, cartoon, and which lasted one season. Yeah. And a comic book yeah. featuring the first public art uh, published art by Mar- Mark Bagley after he won the, really? a contest at Marvel. I did not know that. Yep. Wow. It lasted all the way six issues, I think. Uh, came out through Star Comics. I'm still working on getting all the issues, but IDW will probably be printing some kind of trade of those coming oh. up soon. Oh, yeah. So it's about a world where a, a mysterious cosmic event uh, renders all technology inoperative. And uh, so uh, humankind is plunged back, at, like society's plunged back into feudalism. Magic becomes once again relevant. And the mysterious wizard Merklin offers uh, magical powers to these two warring groups of uh, feudal soldiers. One good, one sort of evil, corrupt, tyrannical. The Darkling Lords versus the Spectral Knights. And so they ended up with these cool holograms on their chests that enabled them to transform into the totemic animals depicted thereon. The totemic animals! Totemic animals! Not a match, yeah. the board goes back. Right. <laughs> 
and dude, it, I, I used to love that series, oh, man. Dude, me too. Me and it too. was animated really well. Like I've I've recently um, went back and looked at them on YouTube. They have them to where you can you can um, look at the uh, look at the the first season on YouTube. Mm, yeah, and um, they're they're out of order though, so it's kind of weird. But uh, I I, re- I got back into it because I pulled out my they're in my I have a box and it's a GI Joe box and it's got all of my my old school GI Joe men in them and stuff. And inside of that box is some Robotech characters and some, and my visionary characters. And, um, um, Anakin was looking through the box and he was like, Oh, Sam, who is this? And I was like, uh, had to go through the whole spill of visionaries and how cool it was. And, <laughs> and, uh, so we went and looked at it on, on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Pants, man. Take a look at it. Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> yeah, man. It's your assignment. Technology. <sighs> All right. Mandatory. You gotta do it. I'll, I'll put that in my to-do list. Let's cue it up. Right. So, <laughs> did Anakin like what he saw, though? He, he, he thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was, um, he's, it's weird. He's in this era of, like, if it's, an, if I say it's a cartoon, we have different levels of what we're talking about. Like, He's used to cartoons being like um, um, Pixar, Pixar-based cartoons, or not even <laughs> Pixar-based, like, like kind of like, um, not not even that quality. You know what I mean? It's like like you have the 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 Netflix quality of some of that stuff. Some of that stuff doesn't look good, you know, on Netflix. It's like a ripoff of something that's already out there. I hate those. But and he's used to when you say cartoons, that's what he's talking about. What I'm what he's talking about. When I say cartoons, I'm talking about like hand drawn, mm, you know, animated. pencil, ink, you know, old school cell shading, <laughs> old school cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> so when he he saw it, he thought it was going to be something that was that was um, going to be 3D, you know. And I was like, no, man, it's <laughs> it's, it's going to be it's not computer generated. This is people drew it, you know. So he he really he really enjoyed it um, from what he saw, and he, he then he took my toys. <laughs> so it, it kind of backfired. So is that's coming out when do we know? Or I believe it's due. The first issue is going to hit in December. Oh, okay. So I guess that'll be on that's, your on your Christmas list. Uh, <laughs> I'm not waiting for Christmas. I'm ordering that thing early, dude. That's going to be cool, man. I'm I'm I'm. Is it is it an ongoing or is it just? I think it is supposed a, to be. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they that's cool. They, yeah, at SDCC, they didn't reveal that much. I mean, they, they did uh, tell you the creative team, which are two names I didn't really recognize. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like writer-artist. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, not much. I'm sure more details to follow, no doubt. Okay. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe this will lead to the visionary showing up in other media, too. Maybe there will be, like, a, a CGI animated series that uh, you know, Anakin would recognize as a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's that's... That's just a weird place to be. It's a weird place to be in right now. That's what. That's actually the next step that I'm doing for Shinobi, man. I'm I'm working on a pitch bible right now for animation, mm. and right. I'm trying to I'm trying to pitch it and stuff like that. And one of my friends, who his name is Alex Zemke, he worked on some comic books with me before, and he now is like an animator over at Sony um, uh, for their for their PlayStation games and stuff like that. And and he. Uh, did a very rough draft treatment of Shinobi Ninja Princess, you know, uh, in, in, you know, computer 3D graphics. And 
it looked really cool. I mean, it was just a just a little teaser, a proof of concept thing. But that really got me fired up to be able to go and see what what could possibly happen. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no, you know, we we live in a time right now where I didn't ever think. I don't know about you guys, but I never thought that this would pop up. Like in the same year, we're gonna we we've got like a a, a Spider Man reboot, a a Thor movie. I man, if somebody told me, you know, when I was in high school or junior high that we were going to have a Thor movie, I'd be like, you, you, you're smoking some of that good stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, we're living in, you know, and on top of all that, we've got a Justice League movie and an eighth Star Wars movie that's coming out. That's that's freaking crazy. You know what I mean? This is like. This is like some some you know how when people say that it, the end you know how the end is getting ready to happen the end of the world is getting ready to happen because all the good stuff starts to happen and then it just ends I think this is it you know what I mean it's just kind of like you know the the all the good stuff is actually coming out right now it's like geek heaven right now <laughs> but yeah you know I it's it's a good time to be able to to enjoy all that but all that to be, be to say it's just like there's no telling you know, where a property could end up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's and I'm taking my chances and trying to see what, what could come up with mine, you know? All right, so now, fingers crossed, we now have Matt on the line. Are you there, Matt? Yes, I am. All right, so we've got Matt, Martheus, Chris, myself, Hello. and Bird, and now we're going to spoilery talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I will just start out by saying I enjoyed it. Do I have to say? Have at it, boys. <laughs> That's all he has to say. Matt, why don't you give your thoughts? Uh, I thought it was a very good version of Spider... I, I read an article that was titled, uh, It's a Spider-Man movie that didn't feel like Spider-Man, and I, when I saw that, I thought that's exactly how I would describe it. Um, I thought there was a lot of stuff... I, I knew going in, the Spider-Man stuff I was going to be more impressed with than the supporting cast of Peter Parker. I just really didn't care um, uh, uh, about them. Beyond, like, really, Aunt May um, and a little bit Tony. But uh, for the most part, I thought it was good, but um, I'll, I'll just say it was, it was a good Spider-Man movie. For me, I mean, as many listeners know, I'm a huge Spidey fan. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I really enjoyed the uh, cameo portrayal of the character in uh, Civil War. Having said that, I- I'm going to piggyback on the point Matt made. I really love this film, but if you're looking for, let's say, sort of the classic Spider-Man sort of universe, that's not really this movie. Um, I think it-, it retains the essence and spirit of the character, but it's very much a Spider-Man that I think fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and I, that didn't bother me, but I I, I, I actually hear Merge's thoughts because when you think about like the Raimi films, I, I mean the third one was a train wreck, but I, I love the first two. That's re- I think those movies really capture like the comic book sort of essence in many ways of the character. This movie I think goes in a different direction. I, I like the direction it went, and I, I think the lead actor is magnificent as both Peter Parker and Spider Man. I think the two previous incarnations. Failed in some areas. In one, I think Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker, not a particularly great Spider-Man. I think Andrew Garfield was a great Spider-Man, but I really didn't care much for his interpretation of Peter Parker. I think this new actor nails both uh, very well. I love the fact that he's om- he's almost actually a teenager in real life. Mm. Um, 
So I love the film, and I'll, I'll talk more about different points as we move along. But again, just as a caveat, piggyback what Matt said, this this is like a, a different sort of take uh, on Spider-Man that, that in many ways is removed from a lot of the, the spirit of, of the comic. Uh, well, I think I'm in uh, the, the same uh, state of mind as the two of you just uh, sunk a little deeper into it to the point where I actually was prevented from enjoying this film as much as I might have by, uh, well, the lack of uh, what I would call an authentic uh, classic Spider-Man feel. I mean, there's... There, there, <laughs> Remind me how to speak here. Uh, yeah, it's it wasn't a bad movie. Uh, there, there were certainly some flashes of joy in it. Uh, there, there were a few uh, you know, moments when it did feel like Spider-Man. Visually, certainly all the, the high-flying action stunts and the special effects and the CGI were all kind of on point. The costume looked, just you know, as we said when we saw it in... Uh, Captain America Civil War is about the best cinematic take on the Spider-Man suit that we've ever seen, right down to those nifty little narrowing eye slits. Uh, that's a great innovation. Um, and I agree with you, Chris, that Tom Holland was a spectacular Spider-Man. He, uh, yeah, he's, as, as you said, he's the closest to the actual age that Peter Parker was uh, when he first began his Spider-Man career that we've seen on screen yet. He's an actual teenager, at least, 19 playing 15 instead of... You know, like 26 playing 17 or whatever the others were. Um, but, you know, this is our third iteration of Spider-Man on film in the last 20 years. And I have yet to completely approve of any of them. I hate to say it. I found things that I liked and things that really bothered me about all three Spider-Man film series so far. Uh, and none of the, I wouldn't have thought Spider-Man would be such a hard thing to get right, at least by my standards, but uh, apparently it is. Apparently it is. Yes, Tom Holland was fine. Uh, he, he was better than fine, actually. He, he played the part just, played the part just very well. Um, but the, where it started to lose me, I agree with Matt that uh, I didn't care so much about the supporting cast. Um, you know, Peter Parker having friends that he pals friends. around with almost doesn't quite scan for me. And for um, so the, 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 the character Ned, uh, he, he, the actor who played that part actually won me over by the end. Like oh, Jacob Battle, he's got some, really, he's got some bubbly, uh, you know, perky nerd energy working for him there. So yeah, he, yeah, I, 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 around I, I, on the idea of Peter Parker having a, a nerdy best friend. And of course, this is not something that was inter- to, uh, innovated by the six screenwriters of this movie. Uh, I'm told that, uh, apparently Ned is uh, based on a character that came out of the Ultimate Spider-Man series by Bendis and Bagley. Um, so that's... Uh, although he wasn't called Ned there, I'm kind of wondering why they didn't just go ahead and call him whatever he was called in Ultimate Spider-Man. I don't know, because, you know, like Matt, uh, you know, Matt and I had this in common. We didn't read Ultimate Spider-Man and didn't really want to in the early 2000s. So, you know, I, I've heard that uh, this kind of uh, captures the spirit of that series more than it does, like, classic Silver Age Spider-Man. So, I would agree with that, yep. Okay, so if you're a, a fan of that series, you know, more power to you. Oh, power I, to you. I love that series, yep. Well, well from my understanding, and, and again, I, as Adam said, I didn't read it, but I think he's actually based on a character in the Miles Morales uh, supporting cast. Oh. I would have liked to see more of, a, of the Aunt May Peter um, stuff on the Peter Parker side of the story. Uh, when I think of Spider-Man... I ultimately think of a lot of those interactions, and then, of course, when Mary Jane or Gwen came along, um, you, you know, them kind of filling a little bit more of the role that Aunt May kind of had. But uh, I, I think by focusing more on his school staff, 
Earth cast, you kind of lost more of that intimate stuff with his aunt. That's a good point. I think that's a valid point, too, because I mean, Marissa Tomei is a great actress, and yes, a incredibly beautiful woman. I love how Tony does all these riffs on that. Plus, Robert Downey Jr. actually dated Marissa Tomei years ago uh, in reality, which, you know, so there's also that uh, sort of entertaining behind the curtain aspect to it. I, I actually, I actually like the supporting cast it created, especially. Um, I'm going to mispronounce her name, name Zendaya, who played who's, the person who's going to be Mary Jane. Essentially, I liked how they cast her as kind of an edgy character, who clearly you know, she, you know, you know already that he, she knows he's Spider Man. You can tell that she already has fi- probably figured that out, um, just the way she looks at him and so forth. But um, I like the potential there between those two characters. Love Ned, entertaining. Great chemistry between him and Tom Holland. Um, I thought that dynamic worked very well. What I mostly talk about, though, is how great Michael Keaton was as the Vulture uh, in that film. I, I loved his performance. He was. I love how they gave him a rationale that, especially in our 21st century America, with you know how flagrantly rigged our entire system is through the oligarchy and the kleptocracy and so forth. And you have a guy who's got screwed by it. You know, they took away his salvage rights, and he decided, you know, right or wrong, I do something about it. And uh, the, the dark path that led him down. And I think Michael Keaton, who's an actor I've always loved, ever since I first saw him, like Johnny Dangerously, Mr. Mom, when I was a kid, um, I thought he really captured the, the, both the menace and sort of the just the journey of that character, where he came from, um, and uh, the scene in the car. It was one of the best scenes in the film for me when he turns around with a gun in his hand and, you know, he threatens him and that's vintage Michael Keaton. That was – and then when he comes into the – when he tracks in a letter, he goes – turns around and goes, hey, Pete. It's got that Michael Keaton voice there is just very well done. I thought, I thought they applied the vulture and even like his minion as the shocker uh, very effectively in the film. Uh, yeah, I, I agree that it's a great take on the vulture and that uh, Michael Keaton played it to perfection. But it's it's more a great take on uh, the, the vulture as a concept in villainy, though, than it is a great take on the character of Adrian Toomes, however. Uh, I mean they, they pretty much created a completely new persona uh, and slapped the Adrian Toomes name on it. I mean he's uh, pretty far removed from the embittered old accent on old uh, engineer Adrian Toomes who designed his own – electromagnetic flight harness and used harness it as an instrument of revenge against the society that spurned and betrayed him and particularly his uh, corrupt ex-partner Gregory Bestman who forced him out of his own company. So the motives are completely different. I mean I'd almost rather they'd called the character like Blackie Drago or something. Uh, so just to stress the differences between this and the Adrian who, whose motivations were really pretty powerful uh, in the comics. But of course uh, they – so much of that uh, stems from uh, societally – sustained ageism uh, and since this movie you know it kind of has ageism written into its dna uh between what uh marissa tomei as aunt may yes. instead of say an older actress who might have appreciated the role and even to the, level, even of, to the, uh, to the level of another character phineas mason phineas the tinkerer another, tinkerer. another classic marvel comics uh, cameo comics, worked in uh, there as a part of the vultures game, of the vulture. who's supposed to be a much older man than what we actually see on screen um so it's, it's not surprising that they kind of decided to push that uh, 
aspect of the Adrian Toomes character uh, far, far, far to the background. Um, but so we, instead we end up with a vulture who's a, a different sort of scavenger. You know, he's uh, uh, skimming uh, salvaged alien technology and uh, recycling it for his own criminal purposes to strike back, as, as, as Chris said, at, at this... Uh, the, this corrupt uh, societal uh, and governmental institution in which uh, he finds himself trapped and by which he's been victimized. So, uh, good, like I said, good take on the vulture, uh, but it, it's just not quite classic Adrian Toomes. And I still can't get around those huge, clunky, turbine-powered wings. It, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look graceful enough. You, you lose the visual impact of the original Ditko design. Uh, I do like the uh, gripper talons on his boots, though. That's, that's kind of a cool feature. I was going to ask, I was going to ask, because uh, like I said before, when we were um, talking about it and stuff like that, I haven't seen it. You know what I mean? I, um, I, I want to go with my son to see it. Um, but one of the reasons why I didn't go is because of, I think, Spider-Man movie fatigue. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that it's just been, I feel like it's been rebooted uh, so much. And the reason why I think that I enjoyed it, enjoyed him in Civil War was because you didn't need to kind of the way he was introduced and the way he was used. You didn't have to. It didn't feel like I was watching a whole new reboot again. So, so I, didn't, I didn't when when, when the movie, when the came, movie out, came out, I just I didn't just, go out and, and and immediately go see it. You know what I mean? So. I was going to ask you guys, did you guys, do you guys feel, feel any of that? Did you feel any of that sitting there or, um, did you guys, how did, how did, how does that work? Like, did you, did you guys feel any kind of fatigue, fatigue going in there, um, from so many reboots and, and so many starts, uh, did it cloud anything for you going in, um, that this, to, to kind of like, like did it, did it help? Did it hurt you going in at the beginning of this movie at all? And then something you have to sit there and get used to to be able to enjoy the actual movie. You kind of follow what I'm saying? What I'm asking? Yep. Yeah. Uh, actually, if I could, it's interesting how the character was portrayed differently in Civil War versus here. I, I thought he was stronger in Civil War that little bit we saw, as opposed to having his own movie. And maybe having six writers, it was hard to kind of get a good feel of it. But I will mm-hmm. say, I've only seen Amaz- the Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't see the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2. You don't have to. But Well, that's why I'm not. Um, but, and I only saw that once. But as I was sitting watching this movie, it made me realize how much I missed Raimi's first two movies. In fact, I went out and bought the, the, the limited edition on Blu-ray that they just came out with, all three. Um, because uh, th- there was just... It, it felt, like I said before, it looked like Spider-Man. It didn't often feel like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I saw Raimi's Spider-Man, it, it took me back to the very first time I got a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man number 251 in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember it, my mom got that to help me to read. I remember getting that and being so blown away with the issue. I, I couldn't quite read it but i could look at the pictures and i just fell in love with it and that's kind of what raimi's movie made me feel and i didn't feel anything similar to that when i saw it and that's not to say that's not a good movie but it it didn't give me the same type of of feeling and i went and for me i wouldn't say it had reboot fatigue because i really didn't get into the andrew 
Garfield version just because it looked mm-hmm. more like Ultimate Spider-Man, but um, it was definitely a factor. It, it definitely felt different. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 kind of like when when he was in Civil War, I didn't I didn't feel that so much because it, I guess it yeah it wasn't his own movie, and to just see him there beside the rest of the Avengers was actually really really cool. That's that's that was worth him being in the movie. But then when they were saying that it was going to actually be another Spider-Man movie, I was kind of like, I don't need to go out and see it right now. Like, like I didn't have that. I didn't have that immediate, like, I need to go see that movie right now because I felt like I've been there and I've done that before. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to explain. It's, it, you know, and I know that when I go and I sit in the movie, even though I've seen, Tom Holland as Peter and as Spider-Man in Civil War. I know that when I'm sitting there, I'm going to have to get used to a whole new cast, a whole new, you know, world, and you know, uh, um, his his and a whole new dynamic with his uh, with his peers. You know, which seems like it's the peer part of it seems like it is. It takes over a good bit of the movie. Am I right? I, I'll say this. This I, I'm assuming most people here listening here have seen Big Trouble in Little China. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about that movie is Jack Burton's actually the sidekick, but the movie's from his point of view. Right. And because of Peter's relationship with Tony, who's only in for like a very little bit of time, I felt as though it was similar to that, where you're really watching the movie of a sidekick from his point of view. And part of that, I think, is the suit. Uh, I. The suit looks good, but I, I realized it didn't feel like Spider-Man to me until he went back to his homemade suit, because then it's just him mm. and his own web shooters and his costume we put together. I thought there was too much, uh, it, almost like a Batman Beyond type of thing, where he was relying too much on the suit to do everything. And I understand that was part of the story, but but it annoyed me very early on as I did. There's just too much in the suit. I like just to be... It, essentially be Peter and, and everything is because of who he is, not because of all these other bells and whistles he got. I, I, I mean, Matt has a good point, but to pick, again, to piggyback on it, the purpose of the story, I think is to get him to that point where he is really operating on his own. Hence why he didn't choose to join the Avengers at the end. Having said that, I think all of this is also a consequence of the fact that this Spider-Man has very much been embedded in this Marvel cinematic universe which is why they have not shown us his origin because they assume, I think, right, that everybody knows his origin. And he kind of mentioned it just in an in a, uh, ambiguous way to Ned at one point when they're walking on the street, like what May has gone through and all that. And yes, I was bitten by a spider. So I don't mind that it didn't go into that again. Um, but I agree. I would like to see more and more of him because Peter Parker is also a scientific genius as well. He's just very young, but see him moving more and more to being on his own. I think, I think the latter part of the movie basically has set that up. And the fact they show him in, in school, like working as web shooter, like underneath the, the, under the lab table, surreptitiously, and so forth. So I think I think there's room for that to happen. I, I agree, though. If, if they continue to have him like as like always doing what Tony Stark wants, that is not Spider-Man at all. That's not the essence of the character. But I, I'm confident they're gonna they're gonna keep going the direction that the latter part of that uh, movie established. Well, I do want to say one of the things. I'm glad they didn't do an origin. But at the same time, one of the things that, that kind of got me with Amazing Spider-Man, if I recall, is they never said the line, with great power comes great responsibility. And I felt this one doubled down by not even having any type of mention of Uncle Ben. 
And I didn't like it that Amazing Spider-Man didn't have that line. I liked it even less that they didn't have the line, nor Uncle Ben, in this. Because to me, then it kind of shifts the motivation from, with great power comes great responsibility and everything that Uncle Ben taught me and, and the mistake I made there, to I want to show Tony I can be in the Avengers. And, and that was another thing that, that took away from me is Spider-Man's motivation. I don't want to be in the group else. It should be, I need to do this because I made a mistake one time. I can't let that happen again. Yeah, have you guys have you guys ever watched the um, the animated Ultimate Spider-Man? Yes. No. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you, it, it's it's full of it's it's chock a block full of jokes, but at the same time, this the way you guys are describing right. it, it sounds a lot like that um, because it's heavy Avengers, heavy Marvel universe. I mean, he has a a uh, team dynamic that he has to deal with. Um, and he is also, you know, he looks up to Avengers and Tony Stark. Martheus, I think you're right. Cause that, I didn't think about that, but I think you're right on the money. The cartoon that I haven't watched it recently, but what I watched, I enjoy, but it's very much has that same vibe. Um, and, and again, I think for, for sort of old school fans like ourselves, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to be wholly satisfied with this new version in that sense, because it's so clearly deeply rooted in what Marvel's building with their mm-hmm. movies in general. Whereas when Sam Remy did his films, there was basically nothing else out there. So he had the freedom right. to, to explore sort of... And Remy was clearly a fan of Silver Age Spider-Man. And he clearly was working off of that. Um, and this is just... And again, I, I really love this movie, but it, it's it's very different. And, and I mean, I, Matt, I think you have a good point, too. I, I think at some point it would be nice to hear about Uncle Ben at some point. Um, and hopefully they'll get to that. They don't need to re- recap the entire origin, I don't think, but you know, show show the impact of that. Because uh, obviously, before he met Tony, we know he was swinging around New York City in his in his hoodie. So obviously, he was influenced. We would think by what the tragedy that occurred on uh, his family. Well, I, I want to ask, what did you think of the love interest? I I, I found it hard. So going in, I already know the um, the, the the John Blake type of reveal. With um, Zadaya or, or how you pronounce her name, uh, character, um, so they could get in that Mary Jane there. But uh, the whole time, even though I know he was initially attracted to Liz, I just kept thinking, I, 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 I couldn't buy the the love story. I guess to some extent in this because I knew that Liz has always kind of been like the initial. Whenever I think Spider Man, I always think of you know Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy. Felicia Hardy, and to a lesser extent, Betty Brandt. And Liz is like so far down the line that I didn't really even think about her as being a, a love interest. Well, I thought that was actually done well because Liz Allen was, you're right, Matt, was like the, the high school crush that was never going to go anywhere. And, you know, in the, in the original comic, uh, you know, she reveals in issue 28 during the high school graduation that, you know, she has to leave. And we find later because of the Molten Man and that her family tragedy and. You know, they kind of did a riff on that here, just making her instead of making her father the vulture, to create that twist uh, for the audience. But I, I, you know, that I thought was was very much in the spirit because he's never going to be with her, and they kind of put the punctuation that by revealing who Zendaya really is uh, at the end of the film. And and again, I, I I mean, I'm just making an educated guess, but based on the way she was looking at him, I think she already knows he's Spider Man because that's very much in the, in the history of the comic uh, as well. 
classic Marvel-style twist, too, to have uh, the Vulture turn out to be uh, the love interest's father. Yeah. Because, as we all know, everybody Peter Parker knows and everybody <laughs> related everybody Peter Parker knows is going to be a villain sooner or later. Yep. Absolutely. That is, is kind of true, man. Yeah, I was I was proud of my dad because we went to see the movie together, and uh, he I, I did not see the vulture reveal coming at all, but he did apparently. He just like chuckled and clapped his hands and said, yeah, "I saw that coming." So well, good on you, old man. Um, but yeah, but tie back into the uh, discussion of the uh, the Stark influence and the, the 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 whole discussion that's been going on here is tying in precisely to to the, the major problems I had with this movie. I, I agree with. A lot of what you guys have been saying. Um, I think that uh, I, I disliked the uh, overbearing presence of Stark and Happy Hogan and the Avengers. I, I don't like that Parker's apparent primary motivation is to brown nose these people and show that he can be an Avenger. Um, it's it, it it takes away from the uh, you know just the the, the, the the teen loner DIY charm of the character where he as as Matt said he he made a terrible tragic mistake he allowed his ego his adolescent arrogance to uh, destroy an important part of his life and that's his primary motivation now for doing what he does with great power comes great responsibility and between stark you know big daddy stark giving him all these pretty toys to play with but threatening to take them away if he doesn't behave himself and also the absence of the background with uncle ben and the origin story that that's a one-two punch that kind of completely skews the core of the character and it's uh, and his classical – and then there is no more classical motivation for a superhero in all of comics. Uh, the classical motivation that makes him who he is and drives him to do what he does uh, for the past 50 years. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree. It's, he's always been kind of a gimmick-oriented character, but it's always been gimmicks that he created himself for his own purposes directly related to the tragic death of Uncle Ben. Instead, we've just got uh, you know Big Daddy Stark showing up and uh, giving him all these cool toys, which are <laughs> – Taking things a little bit too far. I mean, when Peter started having conversations with Suit Lady, voiced by Jennifer Connelly, I all but tapped out on the movie altogether. That's just <laughs> taking things a bridge too far. But yeah, and I agree with you, Matt, that when he got back into his hoodie and his homemade mechanical web shooters that he made himself, using, as Chris pointed out, his own native scientific genius instead of relying on handouts from Stark, that, I agree, is when it started feeling more like Spider Man. And I kind of begin to think that this whole business of his uh, association, his inter Internship under Stark should maybe have been kept for a second movie, and while this seems to have been an unpopular sentiment in, among critics and press in general, maybe this first movie should have addressed his early days as a crime fighter before Stark entered the picture. Maybe it should have, to some degree, dealt with that origin story, or at the very least, this movie should have you know, touched on it for like a two-minute a two recap to tell us very quickly how he became Peter Parker, what happened to Uncle Ben. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt, that this movie lost a whole lot of points because it didn't incorporate all of that well, stuff. I, I will say, when I came out of there, I, I realized this felt more like part of, like, the, the latter, the whole movie felt kind of like the latter part of a first movie in a trilogy or more so a second part of a trilogy. Yes. That there was some, some of the earlier days of, not necessarily the whole origin, but some earlier day stuff to really get uh, a handle on who this Peter Parker is, as Spider-Man is, to, mm -hmm. that they kind of touched on in Civil War before you could get to where we became. Because I felt there was so much back – there was so much backstory that we don't know, and I'm not saying about the origin because we know that. But there was so much like back stuff to really get an idea of what was his motivation before Tony came and approached him. And I know it was to you know, the, the essentially help the little guy type of thing, but – um, I don't think you, you felt that in this movie as much as the little bit you felt in Civil War. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was the only thing I have is, like I said, again, the Civil War to go by. And he did touch on it in Civil War. And it's, it's funny. It's like we were sitting there watching um, watching the movie, and he was saying something about, you know, when you have powers, and then the bad things happen. And then me and my friend goes, with great power comes great responsibility. And he goes, yeah, but you don't do anything about it. With great power comes great responsibility. You know, he never said it. You know what I'm saying? So we were kind of like, um, we were kind of like, okay, we get it. This is a different dude, you know what I'm saying? But we understood where he was coming from, you know, with all of his his all of that, you know. I was one. I was wondering myself, were they gonna? Uh, you guys answered it. Were they gonna actually go back and say anything about Uncle Ben or anything like that? Because in the previews, that's one of the things I was wondering. This in the previews, they never showed anything about Uncle Ben. They showed Marissa Tomei a couple times. Showed a lot of Stark but nothing about Uncle Ben. And that is kind of, I will say that is kind of a, not even in flashback if you did not show him, that is kind of a, that is a big letdown and changes the character considerably when the the main male figure is clearly an established, successful guy who he's actually looking up for, up to. It, um, it does change the dynamic of the character quite a bit. You know, I never thought about that. Well, from my understanding, I guess Civil War picks him up about six months into his Spidey career, and then this basically takes place like two months after that, after the Civil War time. So it's about eight months, and I'm not saying that there should have been grieving during that time, but it felt as though when we jumped into Aunt May, it, like her story, like it didn't really seem like she was still grieving at any point. It's, it seemed like she had no type of loss. Aside from the everything that's going on with May, you got no type of indication of anything bad, even though we know it. There was yeah. no point, like, he caught her kind of crying, um, kind of reflecting, or, or any type of indication of Uncle Ben. And, again, e- even when he's, even in the comics, I feel, when they, when they you don't see Ben, but they make references to him, I feel as though he's an extra character in this particular issue. So not even kind of referencing him at all felt like a huge hole in the movie that made it difficult for me to say, this is a Spider-Man movie. Well, that's one of the things that I think that the reason why, you know, like the 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 old rule that um, when you die in comics, you can you always are going to come back is is not necessarily true with Uncle Ben is because Uncle Ben, the the, the prospect or the um, the idea of Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben adds so much weight to the character like like he's a he's a joke. I won't say jovial, but he makes jokes a lot, and he he's he's a spider, and he's a kid, so he has he makes light he, or tries to make light of a lot of situations. But the Uncle Ben situation is something he can't make light of. So when you bring that dynamic into it, it it heavies the uh, it weights the character. You know what I'm saying? It weights the story down a lot. You know what I mean? And to take that away is kind of taking the weight from the character, the gravity from the character. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that is kind of a shame, though. That is kind of a shame they didn't put that in there. To say, you know, if you think about it, Uncle Ben and the Waynes are essentially three characters that you, you can't really bring back because if you bring them back and kind of keep them here as like, hey, we, they've been revived, you completely right. all who Batman and Spider-Man are because that's essentially both their motivations to be who they are. So yeah. even though Ben died, and that was something that, that, that drove 
Peter, you can kind of bring her back and he can still continue on as, as Spider-Man because of the Uncle Ben angle. Um, if you bring Uncle Ben back, you, you know, I, I'm sure they could write something that could make him continue on with his motivation. But the like huge thing that was there that made him who he is is, is essentially gone now. All right. Uh, anything else in the movie, guys? Or are you still? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, we're going to have to give our freaking swear ratings, of course. My basic feeling is that uh, this it was an enjoyable enough movie, but uh, if this is a homecoming for Spider-Man, he's coming home to a shared universe where he's a second-class citizen and uh, is portrayed as a whiny, too eager to please uh, little kid, and he deserves better than to be portrayed as the little tag-along cousin of the Avengers and the lapdog of Tony Stark. So. Um, um, those are kind of critical issues for me. I give it two and a half freaking swears. I, I hate putting this up against Raimi's Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and half of Spider-Man 3. And those I consider close to fives. But but I, I would say three. Three, I, I feel confident in any more than that. I need a little conversation to do three and a half. But three, I feel pretty confident. All right. I, I, I definitely enjoyed the movie more than I think my... Uh fellows here did uh, although I, I agree with a lot of your points i think the essence of the character was there and i think let's also let's see what they see wait and see what they do with the next film now they've kind of established him and where he's going um and i, and I was so taken with the performance of both tom holland and uh, michael keaton so i'm going to give it uh four four freaking squares out of five but before we leave what did you think of the mid and post credits that we got I thought they were both pretty high quality, actually. <laughs> Liked the little character moment with the vulture and uh, Mac Gargan, the scorpion. Mm. And I like the fact that you don't know if, the, if if Toombs is doing that because he feels indebted to him, because he saved his daughter and even himself, or if he wants just to kill Peter on his own. So I like the ambiguity. I thought that was a great moment, actually. Yeah. I, I actually think the vulture, well, Michael, maybe it's because of Michael Keaton. That aside from Loki, he's probably he's probably one of the better Marvel Studios villain that we've seen so far. Mm. Um, some of the other ones I feel as though they like in Thor two. I didn't really think uh, was it Malakoff um, that you didn't really get to know that character enough to really be invested in it. Mm. Um, a little bit with the Red Skull, but um, yeah, Ronan is another good example. We're solid villains. Well, and also the second tease we should have mentioned earlier, the phenomenal Captain America educational shorts throughout the movie, which were just pitch perfect. Um, and then using that as basically to make fun of the movie going audience at the end, I thought was a, a master stroke. And uh, I, when I saw the movie with my wife, she just burst out laughing uh, at that second uh, teaser scene. And Chris Evans, who I often don't think is the credit, like he's a really good actor. And I think he has great range, and uh, that that was extremely well done. I, I read that the extra, the DVD Blu-ray will have more of those PSAs. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, then we're gonna wrap it up. Um, Matt, thank you for joining us. Uh, however, thank however you, briefly, <laughs> and however technical difficulties we had, but thank you as always for your contribution on the show as well as on the forums. I thank you for taking the uh, bulk of the forum. Posting out of our hands because mm. <laughs> you do a fine job with You're that. You're here. <laughs> oh, no problem. I can't be on the show, so I try to interact the best the way that I can, and probably it's better that I type it as opposed to talk it, and because uh, then that's less free flowing. Mm. And uh, <laughs> thank you. So, thank you, my friend. All right, take care, Martheus. Thank you again for coming yes, on. 
Yes. Uh, looking forward to Shinobi Thanks, Ninja Princess. And um, are you going to any of the conventions this year at all, Martheus, or are you done for the uh, year? Man, I, it's, 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 I'll probably be at uh, one other convention. I'm going to uh, Memphis Comic Expo. Uh, with a whole, with a lot of other uh, creators, but other than that, I'm gonna be pretty much MIA from the comic scene. I mean, from the uh, from the con scene uh, this season. Uh, I, I, it's it's just tough for me to get out right now. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a good night then. Hey, take All right. it easy. All right. Take it easy, guys. Bye, guys. All right. I was actually kind of hoping for one. Well, yay! We have one. And what would an episode be without a segment of Muddle the Murder? Shorter. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. So once again, this, uh, whoa, we are playing for, well, not we, our submitter, who is, uh, it's Greg Dennehy. <laughs> oh, the original G-Man. Greg, you are playing for not one, not two, but three things. You are playing for a first... A print of the Private Eye, signed and numbered oh. by Marcos Martin. And then con- contributions from Heroes Con from our uh, friend uh, Wayne Musso. A Heroes Con print of Telos by um, Mike Waringo, Casey Jones, and Rico Renzi. As well as from the Inkwell Awards. Eleven by 17 full bleed color print depicting Merle Dixon. Uh, drawn by Michael Golden. All right, so if you murder the murd, those three things could be yours. Question number one, DC, pre-1970s. All right. In Teen Titans number four, Speedy joins the team when he helps him solve a missing persons case at what event? Hmm, at what event? The Summer Olympics. Could you be a little more specific, or should we take the answer? Because he gets a specific year and city. Oh, brother. But you did say... But, but it was the Olympics? It was. Um, I, I rule that he should get it. Okay. You want to guess anyway, then? Uh, I'm going to try. Uh, hold, hold on a second here. Uh, let's see. 92, uh, 72, uh, 68, 64. Well, 1964. Where? <laughs> <laughs> ah! Because you're right, because you're right, but... <laughs> I don't know, Los Angeles. I oh, my God, no, Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> Pacific Coast, anyway. <laughs> sure, sure, we'll go with that. All right, well, if, makes, if you make sleep, sleep better than that. Question two. I got the year right. Yeah, right, Marvel in the 1970s. In the 70s, Marvel published a black-and-white Planet of the Apes comic oh. featuring a recurring storyline called Terror on the, the Planet, Planet of, of the, the Apes. Apes. The series involved human and chimp friends on the run after being framed for murder. In issue four of the series from January 1975, they meet a Davy Crockett-type ape who would go on to remain allies with them for the remainder of the comic's run. What was his name? <laughs> I'm throwing this so, – well, Chris is now racking his own brain. To, <laughs> so I'll, 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 he can be my backstop here, uh, but uh, – yeah, I was just reading – I'm into the uh, Godzilla series that Marvel put out in the late 70s, which was written by Doug Monk, as was uh, the, the Planet of the Apes magazine. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure this character was mentioned in the letter column of one of the issues that I've read. But I 
not uh, coming up with a name for him. Uh, oh, uh, what am I going to call him? Um, uh, David Bonobo. Chris? I don't recall. I mean, I'll take a stab at it and say Quintus. Gunpowder Julius. Gunpowder uh, We were nowhere by the way, nearby. The, uh, IDW is releasing that whole saga in a, in a hardcover. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. It should be out in the not-too-distant future. Yes. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of just uh, editorializing here because many times on these Marvel Merds, I'm going to this one. It's like first question, second question, boom, you're down. Third question, here's a softball for you. And it's like, guys, guys, come on. We're, it happens again here. Question three. Oh, is this right over the middle of the plate? Independent, post-2000. Well, I think it is. In Brian K. Vaughn's saga... The story's protagonists are being pursued by several individuals throughout the course of the book, one of whom is a bounty hunter named the Will. Accompanying the Will is an animal companion that he uses as a truth collector. Or I'm sorry, truth detector. What is this animal's name? Lying cat. Exactly right. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Guys, guys, come on. You need a tougher third question. I mean, so anyway, you were not muddled regardless of the first question's veracity. I think they're just taking pity on me. Uh, really but they, there are valuable <laughs> prizes in our showroom available to get. Mm. All right. Well, let me en- encourage them a little bit. Those of you who are, you know, softballing it in there intentionally to be nice, <laughs> I appreciate it very much. But, <laughs> but a new twist emerged in what this year's... What a twist! What a twist! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At this year's C2E2 Con, listener Kurt Schmidt was kind enough to hand me a sizable... Cash subsidy. That's correct. Underwriting my next several muddles. So I'm not going to be paying out of my own pocket to mail you your prizes if you do successfully muddle me <laughs> the next several times. I've got actually the envelope of muddle money, so labeled, <laughs> is actually out in my car right now to take it with me to the shore in case I get muddled remotely at some point in the future so I can mail stuff from Stone Harbor. So you don't need to feel too bad for me because thanks to a grant from the Kurt Schmidt Foundation. <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't need to consider me a charity case here, folks. I, I don't mind mailing you your prizes, so really bear down and uh, send some tough questions. But wait, there's more. Oh, there's a bonus question. A bonus! Thank you, Greg. What do the Wizard, Spitfire, She-Hulk, and Spider-Woman all have in common? They all got their powers from blood transfusions. Aside from never having been in Pants' kitchen, they all gained their powers as a result of receiving blood transfusions. The wizard got his powers from mongoose blood. Oh, stop it now. You're just running a victory lap here. We don't it's need one of that. the sillier origins in the Golden Age, and that's saying something. <laughs> all right. Well, now... Thank you for that, though, Greg. Yes. I, I believe now, to uh, echo Chris, we have shot our bolt. Am I correct there, Chris? We have indeed. Yeah. All right. So once again, that was another hoot and a half episode. Again, all over the place. Hopefully, I cut down on the echoes so you don't hear too many echoing because we had some technical difficulties during the broadcast. What can one do? What can one do? So once again, this episode is brought to you by Zia Comics. Check out their website at ziacomics.com. Their podcast at talknerdypodcast.com. And subscribe to their YouTube channel at Zia Comics. Are you ready there, Mr. Adam? You bet I am. Yeah. 
If you'd like to send us an email, our address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can call 267-702-6642. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at comicgeekspeak. You can stop by our forum site at uh, thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com, as mentioned by our producer Pants several times this episode. You can contribute to the lovely community of fans and listeners we've got going on there. Have some discussions with your fellow listeners and uh, leave feedback on this and many other episodes there. We'd like to give special thanks to those uh, listeners of ours who have donated financially to the show in the past. Really appreciate it. Couldn't continue to do the show without you. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Laser beams are pain like the sea.